The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I'd like to return to the book of Acts this morning and continue our examination of God's expansion of the kingdom of God and his pattern for a thriving kingdom. And last week we talked about the pattern and the example that's set in the book of Acts of bold public preaching. And uh, the leaders of that is the ministry and those that have been called by God with a, a special calling to preach the Word of God, while every member of the church should have the ability to sanctify the Lord in your heart and give an answer to everyone that asks you, a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. It's the church that, it's the ministry rather, that sets the tone in the preaching of the Word. And this morning, we would like to focus on the ministry. And God has ordained, God has ordained in his kingdom for those that have been called to preach to be fully invested, to be fully invested in the kingdom and in the church. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And if the church is growing and thriving and the kingdom's expanding in the way that it ought to and we see in the book of Acts the amazing generosity that the Lord placed on the hearts of those that were joining the church. If we understand what the ministry is, I hope that you have a desire to have someone that is laboring for you in the ministry full-time and that's the pattern that's the pattern we see here we're gonna just introduce this from Acts chapter 5 and the conclusion of this chapter here in Acts chapter 5 and in verse 42 and by this time here <clears throat> in the church of Jerusalem you have a minimum of 8,120 people now you, you've got more than that because the Lord was adding daily to the church multitudes of people and you just think about all the needs that especially in the early stages right you know people uh, that have been in the church for a while and they've heard sermons and they have read the Word of God they can uh, have a baseline understanding to be able to work through some challenges themselves sometimes and you hope that people can grow and and have that knowledge and then have the ability to teach other people but these people were just getting started, right? This was in the infancy of the church. And there were so many needs. There were so many needs in the church. And here in Acts chapter 5, we have probably fifteen to 20,000 people in Jerusalem that are now members of the church. That's probably a conservative estimate. Again, a minimum of 8,000, but probably fifteen to 20,000 people. At this point, they've been thrown in prison a couple different times, and the Lord has led them out providentially. 
And then they were threatened. Remember, the expansion of the kingdom will always be associated with persecution as well. But they counted themselves worthy. This is Acts chapter 5 and in verse 41. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name and daily in the temple. Daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They ceased not. And notice there, Paul uses this language in Acts chapter 20 that we're going to go to in just a little bit. He's describing his ministry um, in Ephesus. And he says, I taught you both publicly and from house to house. And that's what we have here with daily in the temple. That's publicly. That's that bold, public, daily preaching. I mean, there's a lot of daily activities of the original church. And that's what we want to focus on uh, in a later message, Lord willing. But uh, on your own, in preparation for that, just as a quick little search on your phone, type in the word daily in the book of Acts and read those verses. Because that these are the things that we're supposed to be investing in on a daily basis. And I'll tell you, there are needs in the church and there are needs in the kingdom every single day. Every single day. Especially when you have this many people involved. So you have daily in the temple. That's the, the public preaching. And then in every house, in every house, they were going and having supper with every member. I mean... There was a lot to do. Thousands of people, right? Thousands of people that were all uh, babes in Christ. You know, isn't it good that the allocation, uh, the distribution that you have in the church, uh, that you have those that are, that are more seasoned, and you have this structure that the aged should be instructing the younger, so where all the teaching doesn't come from the pulpit on Sunday, you have this constant environment of teaching and environment of instruction, but every single person at this time was a babe in Christ, right? <laughs> so everyone was, needed spe- specialized instruction of the ministry. And notice, they ceased not. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We hope to come back to Acts chapter 6 and highlight this a little bit further. But in Acts chapter 6, we have the, the issue with the widows and the distribution of the daily ministration which is another thing that the church should be engaged in. We should be invested in our local community to help those that are in need, right? James chapter 1 and verse 27, pure religion and undefiled is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And that's not to just go, uh, go and spend time with them. And you need to do that. If people are in the nursing home and people that don't have visitation, you need to go see them. But visit there means to meet their need, okay? And the book of James is, is all about faith, showing your faith by your works, right? And that's our responsibility. We, our first responsibility is to the immediate members of the church. As we have opportunity, let's do, let's do good to all men, especially unto those that are of the household of faith. But you have here in this community, they are caring for the needs of those that can't, fare th- that can't care for themselves, these Grecian widows. And that's a good work to do. That's a great work to do that the church should be engaged in. But then the, the ministers, the apostles here said, this is not what we're called to, okay? It, it is important that our eye stays single. 
Okay, he, Jesus addresses that in the Sermon on the Mount. Your eye has not been single. We have to stay focused on what our mission statement is, okay? And the ministry has been called for a specific purpose. Now, at the same time, at the same time, I am not just a minister and a pastor, but I'm also a member of the church, okay? I'm a member of the church, so that means I take out the trash too, right? I don't know if you know this, but it's not the minister's job to visit people in the church. Uh, excuse me, to visit people in the hospital. Do you know that? It's the, mem- it's the responsibility of every single member of the church. And we have this idea in the Primitive Baptist Church that uh, the job of a pastor is to preach on Sunday and visit you when you go to the hospital. That's not, that's not the purpose of a pastor. That's not the purpose of a... The purpose of a pastor is to be fully invested in your daily life. And they said, listen, we have a calling to advance this kingdom and to preach the gospel. And, you know, there comes a time when Paul had to make tents, but he was not called to make tents. He was called to preach the gospel. And you know what? They, they left when they were called. They said, follow me. Matthew left the receipt of custom. Peter and Andrew and James and John, they left those fishing now. They left... Uh, especially James and John, they left, a, they left the family business. They left their daddy in the boat, okay? Because they had been called to a higher purpose. And they said, listen, the, the, the church should be ministering to the needs of the community, but we are not called to hand out bread. <laughs> we're called, as it says in verse 4, we're going to appoint good men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom that we can point over this business, these seven deacons, to care for the daily activities of ministering to those that are in need in the church. But our calling, our calling is to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And I want you to understand, the purpose of the ministry is to serve the sheep, okay? It's to serve you. Paul talks about talking to, uh, writing to Timothy He says, And no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. And we're all called to be a soldier in the Lord's army. But I'll tell you, there are leaders in that army. And I want a full-time military. You know, he addresses that in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, Who goes to war at their own charges? Uh, now, Now, there's a place for National Guard, right? There's a place for reserve military. But you know what? I'm glad that the people that are protecting America is not a part-time militia, right? I am glad whenever there is a need for a battle to be undertaken, there is a full-time military that are under orders to deal with the need immediately. And that is the calling of the ministry. And I want you to understand, I and the entire ministry is here to fight and to serve you. And boy, I want somebody fighting for me full time (laughs) as much as possible. Now, it's just the reality of where we're at right now in the church and in the kingdom. And Macedonia falls in this bucket in the general uh, distribution of primitive Baptist churches. That because we're probably not, that's part of the reason we're trying to spend some time in the book of Acts now. If we focus on these things and do the pattern that God has set, then our churches will grow. They will thrive. And if the church is growing and thriving in the manner that it ought to, 
You're going to have, if you have a, a healthy church with 50 people that are generously giving, that, that can very easily support a full-time ministry, okay? But the purpose of the ministry is to be available for every single member of the flock to where when you have a need, they can respond to that need immediately, okay? And boy, it's how ironic that the Lord has, <laughs> has allowed the timing of this to occur, uh, that uh, we're arriving at this message during the time that I'm most entangled with the affairs of this life in my secular job. <laughs> Every church needs to do the best that they can the best that they can, you know? Now, that's different for every church. Just like uh, for every person, we give as we have ability, right? Every church, to the best of their ability, needs to relieve the hands of their pastor to serve them to the best of his ability. And boy, I tell you, if the church is growing in the manner that it ought to, there's no reason why all of our churches can't have full-time pastors. There's no reason for it. And I'll tell you, I hope y'all know, I don't know if I've discussed this with y'all much individually, but I had to fill out a security question on one of my logins recently. What's your dream job? What's your dream job? I hope you know my dream job is to be a full-time pastor because I tell you, I feel so entangled, (laughs) especially this time of year. Boy, I feel so entangled. You know, I don't, and this this is mostly to my own shame, uh, that I don't do this uh, as much as I need to and I don't allocate my time properly. But I remember back in the day, back when I didn't have much to do on a Saturday, and my best time of the day is usually from about 9 to 11 a.m. And I'd, I'd get up on Saturday, didn't really have anywhere to be, anything to do, and I would just study God's Word. I tell you, and, I, and that's during my early days when the Lord was giving me all these light bulbs and this little study over here would lead to this, would lead to this, would lead to this, and I just couldn't wait to get back into it. I'm too entangled now, and the Lord, thankfully, He still hopefully feeds y'all on Sundays, but I'm, I'm not where I need to be in my, in, in my Bible studies. But boy, sometimes I think, boy, if I could do that every day. <laughs> boy, if, if, if I could just fully invest in God's Word every single day without, I remember those early days uh, when I was studying and the Lord was really giving me so much clarity on things and I'd, and I'd get up early and I'd study for an hour or two and I would just be so disappointed that I couldn't pick back up that study for eight more hours until I had to go do my duty and make tents in the accounting office and then come back uh, to study. But that, the work got in the way. <laughs> work got in the way of my study. And then the Apostle Paul, man, talk about giving ourselves continually to prayer. I'm ashamed to read the the writing of the Apostle Paul, and I just don't know other than him just doing it all the time and doing exactly what he commanded the church to do of praying without ceasing. He writes to so many people, and he tells them individually, I am praying with you night and day and without ceasing. And then, not only did he say that, he says, I call God down as my witness. So just in case you think I'm embellishing any, I'm calling God down as my witness to verify to you how how fervent and intense my prayer life is. Let me tell you, I I don't have near enough confidence to call down God as my witness of my prayer life. 
But you know what he was? He was fully invested to give himself continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And we pray, we ask for people to pray for us. And, you know, I hope you have a, a mother or a grandmother or a wife or somebody. There's some people that you know that they're praying for you all the time, right? And, I, and I'm glad to have those family members. But I'll tell you, it gives me also a lot of confidence to know, hopefully, that my pastor is praying for me all the time. And I have a prayer list of every member of Macedonia and every routine visitor of Macedonia. And I try to go over that list every single day. Now, now sometimes it's getting my, kind of like that daily Bible reading, you know, you just got to get that back, daily Bible reading done. Sometimes I'm not as focused on that as I ought to be in the midst of my prayers, but I try to go over that every single day. And I pray for you every single day. And you need to pray for every single member of this church every single day. But it gives me a lot of confidence to know there's somebody praying for me all the time. Now, what is disappointing as a pastor is when I get to church on Sunday and I find out, well, actually, I've been sick all week. And nobody told me about it. Now, I am wanting to know what's going on in your life, not to be a busybody, for the purpose of, number one, beseeching the throne of grace for the Lord to bless you. It's not, it's not doing me a lot of good as pastor to find out you've been sick for a week and nobody told me about it, okay? It's my desire to pray for you. But also, there may be an opportunity for me to deliver God's word to you in the midst of that affliction to give you comfort and encouragement if you might be distracted or, or discouraged in the midst of that. That's why we have to have open communication. Open communication. Let's go ahead and, uh, before we continue going in the book of Acts, let's go ahead and go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And this shows the intimacy, the intimacy of the kind of relationship and love that God has placed between a God-called and spirit-directed pastor and the flock and the people that he's been called to serve. Okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll start reading here in verse 5. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is our witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. And that word nurse there means a nursing mother. You know, the kids get a little bit older, especially if you have some boys, you know, you do some wrestling moves with them, you throw them around, you know. But I'll tell you, those little bitty kids, those little nursing children, you make sure you have their their head taken care of. You're very gentle. Now, understand, these people, Paul is described in places as being rude in speech, you know. These were people that were coming from idolatry. These, these were not good, well-trained, uh, you know, church-going people. These were people that were coming from idols, from, from pagan idolatry to serve the true and the living God, he says in chapter 1. And, you know, you got to have a lot of patience as a parent, 
And you got to have a lot of patience as a pastor. But I want you to understand the disposition between a pastor and his flock that he serves is as close and intimate of a, of a love as a nursing mother, and he says a little bit later on, as a father instructing their child, okay? That's the type of love that God has placed between a pastor and his flock. We were gentle among you, you know? It takes a lot of wisdom to deal with each child individually as a parent, right? You can't treat them all the same. You can't. Everyone's different. And boy, everyone in the church is different. And those little bitty babes, those little bitty babes in Christ, uh, the, the, Jesus told Peter, you got to feed the lambs and feed the sheep and feed the sheep. Those little bitty lambs, those little bitty gentle babes, oh, they're so, they're so fragile, right? So you have to be gentle and loving with them, being gentle among you, even as a nursing mother cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous, we were willing to impart unto you, not the gospel, but also our own souls, because ye were dear to us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. Now notice the full-time investment in the ministry laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preach the gospel unto you, the gospel of God. Verse 11, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. You know, sometimes I'm afraid that we just get in the habit of doing things and in the habit of saying things and I feel like that sometimes when we say the word brother and sister so-and-so, that we feel like that's just, that's just the terminology that we use in this setting that we're in, right? You go to the doctor's office, you call the MD a doctor, right? That's just the terminology you use in this setting. But do we really understand that we are brothers and sisters in the same spiritual family? Do we really understand that? And if we do, then there's a closeness of love that you'd be willing, you know, I'd be willing to drop anything. I get, I get that phone call from my family member, my brother or my sister in the, in the flesh, and I'm willing to drop anything to go and help them in their time of need. You understand, right? We should have that same type of closeness and intimacy of love with every single member of the church. And then... I hope you don't view me as your pastor as just the lecturer once a week. No, the relationship should be, and it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. Yes, I love you, and I believe that you love me, but you know what? There needs to be communication both to the parent, to the child, but to the child, back to the parent, too. There has to be two lines of communication. And you know how we exhorted and comforted you and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Verse 19, for what is our hope and joy and crown of rejoice? What is the picture of success in the ministry? You know, preaching's the fun part. I'll tell you, if the Spirit of God is in it, preaching's fun. If the Spirit of God's not always in it. <laughs> 
Uh, but there's a special there's a special connection and fellowship that you have with the Lord when you feel the Spirit of God speaking through you in the ministry of the Lord. That's the fun part. But I'll tell you what's difficult is being down in the trenches with the sheep. Pastoring is the hard part. It's being down in the trenches with the sheep. And you want to know the, a lot of the problem that we have in the church is a lot of churches and a lot of people don't really want to pastor. They don't want someone invested in their life. They want the comfort of, of consistent Sunday pulpit supply. And you know what? I can call them if I need somebody to do a wedding for me or my child, or you know, if I get in the hospital, he's supposed to come see me or something. Listen, the purpose of the ministry is to be fully invested in your life so they can be there to aid you in every spiritual trial and struggle that you that every single one of us go through on a daily basis. You know, we highlight on our prayer list the people, and we all have prayers, we all have needs. I hope that you communicate to me and to others. James chapter 5, confess our faults one to another. Confess our needs one to another. We can pray specifically for you. But if you're not discussing with other members of the church, particularly your pastor, anything, I don't talk to them until I find a, until I receive a cancer diagnosis, then you're missing the boat. You're missing the boat of the, the body of Christ, okay? But the picture of success in the ministry is not how well someone gets up in the spirit and preaches, Okay. Now, we hope that the Spirit of God touches your heart through that preaching, and that's an important part of it. But the picture of success of a pastor is the way in which you conduct yourself on a daily basis out in the world. Okay, And our success or failure is based on you. What is our hope or joy or our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming, for ye are our glory and joy. The church is where we see our success or failure. And boy, there's nothing more. You want to know why a lot of ministers struggle with uh, discouragement and depression? It's because you invest so much in, in people and then they are lukewarm or they don't care or they flake off. <laughs> There's nothing else. Now I understand we serve the Lord. He, he addresses that a little bit earlier. We, we, we please God and not men. But I want to tell you, when the church is your joy and crown and you're willing to impart your own soul to them and you love them the way a, a mother and a father love their child and they, they're indifferent and they're lukewarm and they're not invested and they're not zealous, there's nothing else to do than look in the mirror and say, man, I'm just... I'm doing a horrible job. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else to say. Now, I understand at the end of the day, we serve the Lord. We can't control. I, I understand. I've had to console myself with that a lot. But the church is the joy and the crown of, first of all, Jesus Christ. And it is our desire to present you unto Christ as a chaste virgin as a pure servant. In Hebrews, <clears throat> well, 
I'm going to read verse 7 and 8 in chapter 3 first before we leave here. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in all our affliction and distressed by your faith. For now we live. Now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Our life is tied up in you. That's the way God ordained it. Our joy, our glory, our life is tied up in the church and in the flock. <clears throat> Where did I say I was going next? <laughs> Does anybody remember? Hebrews. I can't remember. Right. Thank you, Hebrews. Thank you, Brother Adam. That was a little pop quiz, and Adam passed the test. So thank you, Brother Adam. Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. And see, that's why we have to have open communication to know what the dangers are individually in your life, right? You know, you hope that there's both lines of, uh, two lines of communication, both from the parent to the child, but to the to the child back to the parent so the parent knows the struggles the parent knows the dangers that they know the need and then they can respond appropriately to what those challenges are right it's hard to watch appropriately if you don't have enough information to know where to watch i mean you need to you need to guard your flank well the way you know to guard your flank is by knowing there's a problem over there right they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you and every pastor has to answer before the Holy Spirit answer before the Lord for every single one of the people that have been placed under his superintendent care as an under shepherd of the chief shepherd of all the flock that is put in his care and boy, that is a sobering judgment seat to come before. And I hope you understand from your perspective the gravity of that. Now, you're not doing that to make my life easier. <laughs> We're doing it to glorify the Lord. But you know what? If you're doing that, boy, what a, what a privilege. What a privilege to present you before the Lord with joy. But unfortunately... Sometimes we have to deal with the other end of the spectrum as well and present you before the Lord with grief. I mean, there's people that we've invested in that have flaked off that are lukewarm at best, and there's nothing but grief to present them before the Lord. But you know what? It's still my responsibility. I still have the watch care of their souls. <clears throat> Let's go to... Uh, Let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5 and in verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, as a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. <clears throat> For when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. 
<clears throat> something that we also see in the book of Acts is that there is a close proximity and availability of the ministers to the flock. And I know this is simple language that it'd be easy to overlook. Notice the elders which are among you and then feed the flock of God which is among you. The pastor needs to be in close proximity to the sheep. Now I want you to think if you had a bunch of sheep, <clears throat> you love your sheep, um, and I'm looking to hire a shepherd. Are you going to, someone comes and they apply for a shepherd position, and they say, well, I live about three hours away, and I can only be here once a week, but when I'm here, I'm going to do the very best I can of shepherding these sheep. Well, I'm not going to hire them as a shepherd, right? You want to know why? Because sheep need 24-7 care. <laughs> the Lord is very precise in his analogies, isn't he? <laughs> no offense to you, because I'm a sheep too. Sheep are dumb. Sheep get confused. Sheep go the wrong way. You want to know what that means? That means they need 24-7 supervision. <laughs> they do. They need help. They need help. And the owner of the sheep, he knows that. Boy, I know the sheep. I got it. I know that this one's struggling with this, and I know that this one's struggling with it, and this one likes to get close to the cliff. we got to make sure we keep good, good eye on him. I can't hire someone that lives three hours away and can show up for three hours a week. I can't do that. There has to be a closeness of proximity. Now, it's between every church and every minister, according to the direction of the Holy Spirit, how they balance that. I have my own opinions and I'll keep my opinions to myself, okay? But there has to be a closeness of proximity and a closeness of availability that you can be in somebody's house on a given night if necessary. Has to be. Otherwise, the sheep are going to get malnourished for lack of attention. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Now, I understand there's extenuating circumstances, and that's why the Lord is the judge of every minister, not me. Okay? But just as we all have to balance, you know, think about a mother. The Bible talks about a mother being a keeper at home. That's not required necessarily for you to be a full-time stay-at-home mom, but you understand you are a full-time mother. And that is your first responsibility. And you can't do anything that will dilute your first responsibility. And that's what the pastor has to take in mind. I'm a full-time pastor. <laughs> I'm a full-time pastor. Now, I have other responsibilities, and we've got a mortgage, we've got bills to pay, and we've got to balance the budget. All right? I'm not the federal government. I've got to balance our budget. But it's up to every person to figure out the exact allocation of how you see fit to do that, and that's between you and the Lord. But let me tell you, every pastor is a full-time pastor. And I've been very disappointed to see the lack of investment in the ministry in quite a few of people who have been serving in the church for a very long time. Their primary focus is their secular career. They're unwilling to put the kingdom. How can you ask the church to put the kingdom first if you're unwilling to put the kingdom first by you being willing to serve, to, to, 
do whatever is necessary. Do have some take a pay cut, sell your house to be invested in the community. Because how are you gonna? I'm a minister. I'm a minister. I'm I'm a, a, a talking to my neighbors. Oh well, that's great. You know some of the things you're saying is very interesting. Man, I'd love to come visit y'all. Oh, the church I pastor is three hours away. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just keep going where I'm going. You have to be invested in the local community. How else are you going to be available to the sheep? How else are you going to be available to invite people that are in your community? Okay? And it's up to every church and every minister to figure out where they find that balance. You know, does... Uh, y'all know I live 30 minutes away from the church building, but I'll tell you, y'all know this, this, uh, these wooden floors aren't the church. <laughs> I'm available. I'm in, I'm in proximity. And I felt a burden, not just to Macedonia, but to Starkville. That's part of the reason why I live in, why I live in Starkville. I'm thankful I'm in proximity to the sheep. But every minister has to find that burden and that right balance but it cannot, it cannot make the kingdom of God second. It can't. And I think much of the problems in the church that we have had and the malnourishment in the church goes back to the lack of devotion in the ministry. Okay? And it's up to us to set the tone. Because how can we ask the church to put the kingdom first if we're not willing to put the kingdom first? Pray God will bless us to do better. Um, let's go back to the book of Acts. <clears throat> let's go back to the book of Acts. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> when he arrived, let's go to Acts chapter 17. <clears throat> Acts chapter 17. And when he arrived in Athens, he arrived in Athens, Verse 17, he disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Talk about that bold public preaching. He was out there every single day preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Every single day. Now he made his way to Corinth. He made his way to Corinth. And then he made some tents in Corinth because he needed to make sure he had a little bit of food to eat. But they which preach the gospel, God has ordained that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, God has ordained that they which preach the gospel, primarily, they should live with the gospel. Then he makes his way to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, and he's preaching in the synagogues on Saturday, on the seventh day Sabbath. But then, verse 9 he separated from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. So every day he was preaching in the marketplace. Every day he was preaching in Tyrannus. And then somehow he found time to pray for all these different people and to go from house to house. Some somehow he found time to do all that. <laughs> now he made a couple tents on the side, but there's no way he could have been working any more than 20 hours a week. I mean, probably not even that much. He just didn't have enough time to do uh, to do anything else. Acts chapter 20, now he's in Miletus and he's returning back home, but he calls the Ephesian elders. So 
He's going to preach to the preachers from Ephesus. Now understand, this corresponds to his time in Acts chapter 19 when he was in Ephesus. And the Lord blessed mightily. He wasn't just preaching daily in the school of Tyrannus, but in two years, all in Asia <clears throat> heard about it, heard about the word of the Lord. And he, so he's describing his time in Ephesus, okay, during this time. So he's preaching to the Ephesian elders here. And he says, verse 20, how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, right? That's the disposition of the ministry. You preach publicly, but then you invest in the sheep that are already members, having supper with them, having Bible studies with them, being available to discuss God's word anytime that they have a question. I, I taught you publicly and from house to house. Verse 27, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Verse 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to, flee, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Again, you just can't feed the flock if you're not with the flock. You have to be available. You have to have a closeness of proximity. And then he says in verse 31, Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. Cease not, night and day, publicly and from house to house. And... <laughs> just in case you didn't think that he was invested in it, night and day with tears. With tears, why? Because parents love their kids, right? Because a nursing mother loves that nursing child and that father loves that child. And that's the type of burden and love that God has placed on a pastor for the flock that he is responsible for. <clears throat> Another few aspects of the ministry, we're just gonna highlight these very quickly. Acts chapter, uh, I want to read Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 again. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. God has called men, he addresses this in Ephesians chapter 4, for the edifying of the body of Christ to protect you from false doctrine, to protect you from false teaching, and to be available to minister the Word of God and at any given time when any member of the church stands in need, okay? And I hope that, you know, we, we don't always have to have an official meeting to discuss things. I hope that you'll just shoot me a text in the middle of the day, okay? Call me. Let me know. Let me know where the needs are so I can watch for you. Other aspects, other aspects of the ministry that are indicative of a thriving kingdom is that new men are going to be called to preach. And God is continually, if you think about it, God cares about his sheep, right? God wants to make sure that his sheep are well fed. And if people are being added to the kingdom, then of necessity... There's going to have to be some under-shepherds to feed those new sheep, right? So one of the aspects 
of a thriving kingdom is that new men are being called to preach. He said, listen, he told, he told Titus this, he addresses this multiple other places in the New Testament, that every city you go to, you ordain elders and deacons. Every city. Why? Because those sheep need feeding. God calls men to preach for you. God calls under shepherds to serve the sheep. And I'm very thankful that we have seen, just within the last two years, I've counted up at least eight men that have been ordained to the ministry. And that's great. Praise God for that. But I'll tell you, that's just holding our own. I mean, there's so many faithful men that have served the Lord for 40, 50 years that are now either physically being diminished where they're not able to serve like they used to or passing away. I mean, I'm thankful that, that the Lord is answering those prayers to raise men up, but that's just trying to hold our own. We need to pray more diligently, more fervently for that. The more people that are added to the kingdom, the more people God's going to call to preach. And another aspect of the kingdom that unfortunately our churches have just struggled so much that we have not had the privilege of seeing is the biblical pattern is a plurality of elders in one congregation. If you think about all the needs there are, I mean, if there's a good, healthy, 50, 100-member church, one man can't do it even if he's doing it full-time right? There's so many needs. And you, you find consistently in the book of Acts, you ordain elders, plural. You saw there in Acts chapter 20, I have ordained, he called the elders of Ephesus. You are the overseers. That's the consistent pattern in the New Testament. Elders always almost has a plural on it. Every, in every city, in every city. Why? Because when the church is growing and thriving, God's going to make sure his sheep are fed. <laughs> right? God's going to make sure his sheep are fed. But unfortunately, we're just so anemic in the kingdom today that we have churches without pastors. And there's a great imbalance in the ministry. And every minister has to answer before the Lord for them to feel their burden and their calling and know they're doing the right thing. Again, I have my own opinions on a couple of situations. I'll keep those opinions to myself. But it is not wrong. It is not wrong for a, a healthy, thriving church that, that has needs to have a plurality of elders because that's the biblical pattern. Now, they need to be willing to serve and help those that are in need. But it... But, we should not look at a church that is doing well, that the Spirit is blessing to have new people that need ministering to and look at them and make our own judgments. The biblical pattern is multiple elders in a church, but then there's always one authority as the pastor. Now, we don't want to get into senior pastors and all this kind of terminology, but there is one authority as the pastor of the church, even though there are multiple ordained elders. We see this with James, and we don't have time to go to all these different verses, but it specifically highlights when they went to, they went to Jerusalem and they had that minister's meeting to deal with those issues of circumcision. Yes, all of the ministers met together, and there was a lot of ministers there in the church of Jerusalem, but it was James that spoke. And you see a lot of references where it says James and the brethren, James and the elders, 
James was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. But boy, there was a lot of ministers in the Jerusalem. Why? Because they had thousands of people that all had not just physical needs, but spiritual needs. And I hope you understand, the pastor is not primarily here to help you with your physical needs. He's primarily here to help you with your spiritual needs. Okay? So we have in the book of Acts a fully invested, a fully devoted ministry. And when the church is growing in the manner that it ought to, it's, it's necessary, but it's also very easy financially to be able to do that. But unfortunately, we've been struggling to where we don't see the growth. And if you don't see the growth, the finances are probably not going to be there either. But the full-time ministry, that's the biblical pattern. It's the biblical pattern. And I hope that you understand the reason why God has ordained for it to be the biblical pattern is for you. I hope you understand that. It's not so I don't have to go uh, punch a clock for 40 hours a week. Okay? It's for the benefit of the body, for the benefit of the church, to be fully invested and be available every single day for the needs of the church and also to preach publicly and from house to house to where when you're struggling with some spiritual need, I never have to say, I would never have to say, yeah, it's going to have to wait till 5.30. Okay? Is there struggles at like one or two in the clock, uh, one or two o'clock for you? That's a pretty tough time for me. I don't know about you. I mean, uh, there's a lot of struggles in the middle of the day. There's a lot of struggles throughout the week. And I'd love to get caught up on Sunday, but I'd, I'd love even more to be invested and involved as they are occurring, not to find out, oh, this is everything that happened with the people in the church this week. Well, that'd be good to know about five days ago. Thanks for telling me now. I mean, I, that's better, better late than never, right? But, but I mean, I want to be invested on a daily basis because that is what God has called the ministry and pastors for, to serve you, to serve you for the growth of the body, that the body would glorify Jesus Christ and this body would be a chaste version, that this body would glorify Christ. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.